Welcome to the Politics and Bros podcast. It's November 11th, 2020. This is the podcast where two guys who used to work on the inside but are now on the outside and have a podcast so they can talk about the things that they used to do for a living. Uh, and apparently we had an election. Howell, how'd that go? What song is that? Let me just skip that. Out. All right, now I'm slightly ashamed that I couldn't recognize that song. Yeah, I didn't tee that up very well. Um, yeah, we had an election. Happy Veterans Day, Peter. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all of us, all of those who have served. My best man, George Dimitriotti, is a uh, veteran of the Iraq War. Um, now Chick-fil-A manager now, owner, excuse me. Chick-fil-A owner, operator in Crystal City, Virginia Go see him, tell him I sent you He'll give you a free uh, four pack of nuggets <laughs> Maybe he can be a sponsor Maybe, we'll try that out um, Did you have a nice Veterans Day? Did you honor I worked that? You worked I worked all day um, I didn't do anything the I cleaned out the garage that. a little bit What was that? The veterans would appreciate you yeah. working hard all day yeah, worked hard. I, I did clean out the garage for about an hour and a half on Monday. I had a I had a hole in my um, schedule, so I cleaned the gutters of the garage and uh, threw some stuff away and rearranged all my children's bikes and cars and stuff that they've been using all summer long that was thrown everywhere. But very similar to the experiences in Bastogne in World War II. Yes, yes, yes. Um, for freedom, there is a Band of Brothers marathon going on right now. Um, I assume you've seen that. I have. I love that. Yeah, that uh, that show, that miniseries. Yeah, really, 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 really good. Really good. The yep. Pacific was not as good, but um, no. I highly recommend Band of Brothers for anyone who has not seen it. Yes. Um, uh, and then but, you will feel bad about not doing anything relatively close to what those men went through in all of your life. You will not in, in your anything. entire life. Yes. Yeah, you, I'll well, never live up to anything like that. Speaking of similar things like Bastogne, that we've experienced ourselves. uh you know i worked the election last tuesday you were you were a, a uh, not a judge what were you just a poll worker what do they call it i was technically an election judge yes oh, and wow. you will be surprised to know that i was a republican judge oh um, really yeah yeah how'd you get that gig uh well you have to put um each each precinct has two democrat judge two republican judges and one sort of like swing judge. Um, and Do you I feel think, dirty. I think if you no, I think if you don't put down a party affiliation because there's so many Democrats in Chicago, they just put anybody who doesn't have a party affiliation or is an independent as a Republican. So uh, yeah. I served as a Republican judge. Um, we had to be there at five in the morning. Thankfully, it was at uh, my kid's school, so it was only a couple blocks away. And, um, yeah, it was a good, I mean, it was a good learning experience. It was a little bit hectic, uh, getting set up. Um, it was kind of like a bunch of headless chickens, uh, getting everything set up. And we, surprisingly, my precinct, which I think only has about 800 people in it total, uh, we only processed 20 voters all day. I think I told you this over chat. Um, so it wasn't that busy. And then it got busy, then shutting everything down and closing it up and 
getting all the ballots and everything was was a little bit hectic and I didn't get home till 10 o'clock I was kind of being able to follow what was going on on my phone a little bit but um, really didn't get a chance to sort of decompress until till that point and sort of start to dive into election stuff but um, I did learn yesterday that unsurprisingly uh, someone that worked the uh, the ward or the precinct the four precincts that were in the gym where we were, someone had COVID. Um, oh no! Positive for COVID. Uh, they weren't on my team, and I don't, I don't recall being near them. So I am just laying low for now. Um, mm. I don't, you know, it's been over a week, and I haven't shown any symptoms, so I'm probably in the clear. But yeah, of course, you know, that was my fear: is that serving, uh, I'm, I would probably be exposed to the coronavirus, you know, as I said, very similar to Bastogne in World War II. Um, just a, just a harrowing experience. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it was interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously it's been one of the stories of the past week is, is, you know, is there been, has there been fraud or whatever? And I can just, I will say that working there the was. election, <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, you do under, get, understand sort of, the redundancy, the tracking systems, the affidavit process, um, propo- the provisional process—like it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty good system. I'm just going to say, and we can we can save the the fraud debate for another day. But I will just say that I learned a lot. Um, I recommend anyone who might be interested do it at least once in their life. Uh, you know, it's it's a nice civic duty thing to do, and. Um, and you learn. So you take part, you, you take part in this beautiful exercise that is democracy. That's mm-hmm. what I'll say. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, We're but, not going to set aside the fraud stuff, but okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I did that. But did you guys, did you, did you ever find out why it was, was it really just because everybody already did early voting and mail in? Is that why you only had 20, uh, process 20 votes? Someone was saying that one of the the like sort of um, oversight managers or something that was roaming through and checking different precincts said he was he had been told that eighty percent of our precinct had already voted before. Oh, okay, day. so you know yeah. that would be like five hundred of the or five hundred and fifty of the eight hundred people. So I don't know if you get up to six hundred people total, that's like seventy five. What is that? Three four seventy five percent of the people voted. And- and the rest are just apathetic and don't really care about the direction of their country. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, hurt. it's it was funny. There was one um, clear couple that was there to vote, and the um, Illinois is a uh, you can you can register day of to to vote. Yep. And the the woman's boyfriend clearly um, was very was apathetic about voting and was like didn't bring. Uh, or didn't appear to bring like everything. And he was like, Oh, I can just not vote. And she just like gave him like dagger eyes. And he's like, the oh, business, the business. What's that? She gave him the business. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, you are voting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think across the board, there was higher turnout and it wasn't necessarily all just because people wanted, you know, Trump drove out the boat. Some people just, their girlfriends drove them to vote. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Good experience. How was your election week? I guess we should call it. 
Uh, we went. We went when we drove. So my kid's school is our polling place. So we dropped them off and walked straight in, or dropped Teddy off because he had school on Tuesday. Walked right in and voted in a minute, and uh, we're in and out. It was pretty pretty easy. Um, I was commenting to everybody. I don't, you know, in Illinois, we you have to you vote to retain judges, mm-hmm. and I feel like I don't know. It just makes me think about the the concept of elect of judges being elected officials just seems so weird to me because um, nobody really not many people have the the no the no, no. Uh, uh, on whether or not these are good judges right. what what kind of legal precedent have they sent like you know normal non attorney people or non law degree people have no I, I i just never understood why there's such thing as an elected judge but um, I, I, I i didn't vote for a lot of them I only voted for the ones that were unopposed. I took uh, well. I did this. I did this thing the last time around. I took. Um, I I picked one of the multiple. You know, there's a million bar associations, mm-hmm. and um, so I last time I took the Illinois Bar Association's recommendation list. This time, my wife's cousin, she's president of the Illinois Women's Bar, and uh, she. I got their list, and I used their list this time. Um, I just. I don't know. I don't. I have no clue. And I was like, whatever. Um, so, but the rest I didn't know, and I followed pretty closely. Um, your nation and, uh, appreciates your your service. Yeah, uh, before day. we talk about the big story, um, it you know the the Illinois fair tax, obviously, or unfair tax, however you want to call it, yep, um, was was sound resoundly defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did say, Good. I did say to someone, it's like you know, looking back this is probably not the best time to be pushing a, a, a tax hike potential, you know, like everything going on. Um, probably from an optics standpoint, really a poor tactical decision. Yeah. Um, and it paid off that it for them or for, it didn't pay off for them as a result. Um, so, you know, our taxes will stay at four point, what is it? Like 4.9%. 4.95. Like yeah. For, uh, for at least for now, for for a while longer, yeah, exactly. It's you know watching all those ads. It's kind of funny because w- when they'd air on TV, you'd have the pro you know vote yes for fairness or vote no, and then the vote no ad was right after it. Mm-hmm. You know, nine times out of ten, if you if you saw one, you saw the other mm-hmm. right afterwards. Mm-hmm. And listening to sort of you know the people who are in favor of it, they're like billionaires are trying to stop this. I'm like a billionaire is trying to f- has funded the <laughs> the whole campaign, and that's mm-hmm. our governor who is worth almost four billion dollars. Um, so it's, it was just funny to see warring billionaires, uh, fighting this thing off. I voted against it. My reason why for voting against it's not because, you know, I think I would have had higher, it, I, we calculated, I think our, when I lived in Virginia, the taxes would have been higher in Virginia. Probably. Um, yeah. and I think Virginia it's 8% or something like that. I forget. Um, in DC, certainly it was higher when we lived there. Um, but there was no pension reform there was no budget reform associated you know attached to it and they had the power to make it that way and they didn't and they i just felt like they were still it didn't generate enough revenue to deal with a lot of the major fiscal issues that have been ongoing in for decades in illinois mm-hmm. and i just couldn't in good conscience just say okay here's an extra you know whatever it was going to be i think it was uh, 1.3 billion dollars um per year in revenue um uh, why would i you know what are you going to do with that when you're they're currently in a six and a half billion dollar hole. Um, so I, you know, I just couldn't do it, but um, let's just take it from gambling and pot. Right. Well, yeah, I think that's, yeah, no. I, that's what it's going to come down to. They're going to have to try and increase revenue from, from the weed sales in Illinois. And 
that's why they're opening up more casinos and exactly and online gaming and all that. So, well, shall we talk about the big story? Let's talk about the big story. All right, the big story uh, is uh, the Titans. Donald Trump is Titans winning. Beat the. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> you um, and the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, please set the stage for us. Uh, the set the stage. Yeah, I want to hear how you frame um, what happened in the last week and a half. Okay, so what I'm super, what I'm, I think the biggest question on my mind is, you know, in 2000, Florida was just a colossal screw up, mm-hmm. but in 2020, they were able to hold their election, tabulate their votes, and report them all before the end of the night. Uh, no issues with integrity, you know, no issues with fraud, no, you know, none of that. Yet. You or you, uh, Arizona and Nevada, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin couldn't get their act together to to get their totals in, uh, and just it's weird to me. And I kind of feel like as much um, as much the reason why there is so much all this talk now about voter fraud and it, that door was opened is because you leave you leave it the the results hanging out there for so long, people are going to come up with crazy things to. To, to justify why these things are happening. And you could say, Oh, why well, they haven't called Pennsylvania because they're, they're, they're hiding votes in, in, you know, a warehouse outside of Philadelphia or something like that. And that's when people's imaginations run wild. And I kind of feel like that contributes to um, the folks that are trying to scream illegitimacy. They, they're trying to, trying to make this election illegitimate for, uh, for Biden. There's, there's a old communication phrase or effective communication phrase, you know, in the absence of clear communication, people will will fill in yeah. with their own imagination. Oh yeah, um, but and they before, still haven't even called Georgia or North Carolina yet for the president. Well, before we president. before we get to all of that, anyway, sorry. Um, I mean, I will say that Florida probably didn't have the mail in votes that were coming in this time, which is a completely different uh, processing yeah. uh, uh, factor. But let's st- take a step back. Sorry. So sorry. Biden appears to have won the election well he has won the election um well it hasn't been certified i will i will grant True. this there, a lot of this will be semantics right right um but he this he many pretty much all of the major networks have called at least 270 electoral votes for him um, whether or not Ar- some have still not called arizona um but i think i just saw before we came on that um some more votes came in tonight and actually biden they gave Biden a bigger lead than he already had. It was one yeah. of the first. So it looks like Arizona is is going to be in his column. Um, and then probably, you know, I know I saw Georgia is going to have a hand, uh, a hand recount. Yep. Um, but, you know, to make up 14,000 votes will be probably unlikely. So that would put Biden at 306 um electoral votes, which is exactly what Trump had in 2016. Yep. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it appears, um, and many, and many networks have called it that Joe Biden is the president elect and he's Mm -hmm. proceeding to behave as that, um, you know, he's announced his transition teams. Um, he set up an office of the president elect. He started, he built a coronavirus task force. So he's kind of doing what he um, named his chief of staff today. Named his chief of staff, Ron Klain. Yep. Um, was he his chief of staff before in as vice president, or what was what was the relationship? 
he worked for he worked for Biden in the Senate office in the late '80s and stayed a close advisor to him for uh, for years. And then, yes, he was his. I can't. I think he was his first chief of staff as vice president. Okay. Um, I don't know if he was there for all all eight years. I don't think he was there for all eight years. He was there. I know for the beginning um, as Joe Biden's chief of staff when okay. when, when Biden so, was vice president. So you know the Biden camp is behaving normally, right? Uh, as what what would be expected to happen um, from a president-elect and his team after the election has been called, not mm-hmm. necessarily certified or finalized, mm-hmm. um, but called by uh, networks. Now, on the other hand, we have the current president who is not behaving normally. Um, no. You know, uh, Trump, so he has not conceded as of yet. Um, and I guess, you know, what are your thoughts on that take us take us through your thoughts on um you know everything you think about trump not conceding to this to this point obviously you said you you think biden's won so yeah from that i mean from i can i get what he's i get what he's doing from a political standpoint and using the the phrase to you know every legal vote should should be counted um yeah, I get that, but it, you know, it's one of the things where okay, let's say you, he's getting he's getting a hand recount in Georgia, and let's just say they find the the votes to flip that state into to Trump, and he gets those electoral votes. It still doesn't put him over two seventy, and his deficit in Pennsylvania is is as much so much that he pro- even a hand recount there is not going to overturn Pennsylvania. So the the outcome is going to remain the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of um, talk about how he's gotten 10 million more votes this time around than he did last time. But, you know, honestly, if the Democratic ticket got 11 million more votes than last time, or actually more than that, um, yeah, I think almost 13 million votes mm-hmm. more um, than last time. So, I mean, I get politically why he's doing it. I think uh, if there were more states in play, I would understand what he was doing. I, could, I might be able to give him a free pass. But there's just not the math doesn't work for him no matter what he does, and um, I think the only reason why you're seeing this Henry and Count in Georgia is because you've also got two Senate races that are mm-hmm. supposed you know supposed to head to a runoff in January that are hanging the balance as well, mm-hmm. um, and I think really that that factors into it. It's not necessarily that they think that they can put Trump over the top there, and you know I feel bad for the Secretary of State in Georgia. He's a Republican who has you know run a good campaign or, or good campaign. He's run a good election, um, and he's taken heat from his republican governor he's taken heat from the republican president i think you know i don't think this is him calling for this hand recount is necessarily you know bowing down to them i think he he understands it's within their legal rights for there to be a hand recount so he's doing it and it has to be certified by november 20th um but again the math's not there so why not allow the gsa administrator to grant the biden team all the transition support that they are allowed to have should be having um under law and um and just sort of wait and see they can still have file their file their uh their court cases and see if any of these legal challenges actually pan out but you know it's just it's it's looking bad and and he's he's making it way more unnecessary and then all of the crazy stuff that's happened with the termination of our defense secretary and you know, all this other stuff. It's just, it's getting, it's getting really out of hand now, but 
So I don't know how you, let's, how let's, you apply, feel. let's apply Occam's razor to this Trump not conceding. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's a little man baby, and his fragile ego will not allow him to say he's lost. Mm-hmm. And he has employed, implored everyone to figure out a way to say he this election was stolen from him. And as so long as he can walk away from this uh, with some, even the slimmest of fig leaves to say, I didn't lose, it was stolen from me, he will always be able to make the argument that he didn't lose. And sure. I, I think that is in the essence why we are why he and his team are not conceding there's no they know in their heart of hearts that none of these um claim these legal court recourses are going to lead to anything um i mean i saw today one of the one of the the postal workers who they were hanging their hat on to testify that he saw or he overheard um talk of backdating mail-in votes Mm -hmm. uh you know um recanted his affidavit yeah or, uh you know so like even the things that they thought were meaty and might have some legs to them are kind of disappearing into thin air and and it's it's not i mean when i hear people say every legal vote should be counted is there anyone that thinks a legal vote should be counted like you know like i don't I think you, when you say every vote should be counted, you're ta- you're talking about legal votes. You're not talking about um, illegal votes. Yeah, but and, that's that's the politics in play there because you're you're it's basically you accusing the other side of counting illegal votes. Right. And, yeah. Right. And why would one side have the monopoly on um, on committing fraud anyway? Right. I, so, um, I mean, everyone before there were plenty of reports before the election about the red mirage and the blue shift that was going to happen because of the mail-in voting due to COVID. Um, now the mail-in voting was probably um, more relied on than it need to be based on my uh, experience at the polls. We could have handled a lot more people at the polls on the day of and done mm-hmm. it safely, but for, you know, for whatever reason it worked. Um, and so I guess uh, I, I, I am okay with some initial poking around to see if you can identify anything with substance to say, to pull that thread on. But we're now nearly 10 days out of the election. They've been, I think they've had six or seven cases thrown out of court. Yep. We don't need to be entertaining uh, these imaginary notions anymore. Um, And I think, uh, I think that for, and we, I'll want to get your opinion on this, but I think for many in, in, in the GOP, they kind of feel like, okay, we can just let him like do his little dance and, and kind of throw his fit. Um, and, and if, and this, if this is what it takes to do that, uh, and then we'll move on in January, um, we're okay with that. Uh, and so, you know, I understand why they're doing it. I'm not certain that it's great for the country um, because I think in a way it's going to allow, it's go- only going to build the argument that from uh, Trump supporters that this election was Ill- illegitimate and they're not going to want to 
compromise and work with a Biden administration, much as the Democrats did in 2016, um, c- complaining of, you know, Russia influencing the uh, election. Mm-hmm. Trump wasn't uh, a duly elected leader, not my right. president. Um, those conversations well, aren't produ- productive. So I guess uh, I would just say, you know, what, I mean, do you think there's anything, any sound reasoning to the GOP sort of not necessarily uh, going or supporting his claims, but just kind of like letting him play it out? Well, to, to step back into sort of, you know, the mind frame of the president, I mean, he's, he, he, he spent basically the four year, the last four years of everybody of people telling him that he was an illegitimate president, he was a, he was not elected legitimately, that he didn't win the popular vote, that it, the election was influenced by the Russians. So yeah, now he's just being spiteful, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. he wants to have that same cloud to hang over Biden, or they, not even it doesn't even Biden's got nothing to do with it. It's whoever replaces him. Um, he wants that same cloud to hang over them as much as it can. Um, as far as the GOP is concerned, I mean, I think yes, I think a lot of them are just like, you know, whatever. I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that Trump, you know, is going to continue to influence the RNC and the GOP as a whole for at least the next couple years. Um, You can point to the fact that the Republicans gained houses in the in the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. They, as of now, have not lost um, the Senate. You can even argue that they, you know, they will they were supposed to outrightly lose control of the Senate and they didn't. Um, and probably and probably won't. We can get into that later. You're ruining our surprises for later. I know, but um, you know, I think also too. At least I can't talk for every Republican out there. And there are Republicans out there who have congratulated Biden. Um, you know, Mitt Romney, obviously, President Bush has done it. Um, I'm sure there's been others who have, and there's definitely some who haven't. But I think when you talk about from a strategic political standpoint, what at least why Mitch McConnell hasn't done it. Mitch McConnell cares about two things and two things only maintaining the Republican majority of the Senate and confirming judges. That's and, it. And he doesn't, he doesn't care about anything else. He doesn't care about who sits in the white house. He doesn't care about you know, nominees for anything else that he does not care. So by doing, by doing what he's doing and at least not, you know, he hasn't said anything of consequence about this. Um, he, but he needs to keep the base as fired up as possible for those runoffs in Georgia. He needs to make sure that t- turnout still happens. And yes, is that a little disgusting that he's going to use, you know, the 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 whole fraud argument or stolen election argument to fire up his base? Yes, but guess what? That's politics. And Democrats have done that before. Republicans have done it before. It's been part of the game. It's been sewn into the fabric of the whole thing from the beginning of time. Yeah. So that's I think that's why. Again, doesn't make it right, but that's why they're doing it. Yeah. You know. You know how I feel about. Um, politics as an end goal in itself. Sure. Um, I, I, I hate it and I will call it yeah. out on either party um, that does it. And I think in this instance, you know, like I said, I think it not only does it um, erode sort of confidence in the election and the transition and, and people believing a Biden administration is legitimate. It, it also doesn't make us look great in the eyes of the world either. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I definitely think they should probably, you know, give, at least give Trump like a deadline be like, okay, if you don't have anything by like mid or like by, you know, what is today? The 11th, 
by like the Thanksgiving, you gotta, you gotta concede, you know, like, and I don't know if McConnell has that, um, clout with, with, uh, Trump, but no, I don't think he does. Yeah. I do think that this November, the November 20th deadline for the hand recount in Georgia might actually by default serve as sort of a deadline. Yeah. Um, Maybe you know the honestly the only good I can see coming out of this or good the only positive net positive I think for the Republicans that could come out of this is let's just say that um, one of the one of the runoffs is avoided. Um, you discover that David Perdue actually did get fifty percent mm. or fifty point oh one percent of the vote, and now he doesn't have to go to a runoff on January fourth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's possible. I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm just kind of yeah you know yeah. just throwing that out there as a theory. I, um, but um, I think by default that November 20th uh, hand recount deadline might have to serve as this, as a deadline for the, for the president to, to well, shit or get off the pot. I'm writing that down on my notes. We'll come back and make sure we'll see if your prediction was correct. Um, Maybe. I, I don't know. You know, generally you, so I think the media um, is getting a bit over their skis just in uh, the fact that, you know, kind of sort of claiming this, collusion amongst the GOP and the Trump administration with regards to like not conceding. I think it, it, it does like, I feel like there's a story that they're not getting from the GOP. And I believe the Washington post even had a quote from a, you know, like a senior official or something that was like, what's the harm in letting him play this out a little bit? You know, I think they're mm-hmm. kind of underplaying that story and, and making it some sort of grand conspiracy to, to erode um, you know, sort of faith in the uh, Biden administration. But I, I think we've kind of agreed that it's like, it's politics and it's Trump's ego. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bet there, I mean, I'm sure there are GOPers out there, you know, in the in the Congress and in the party that are just like, what's the harm of letting this happen? It's inevitable. Like I said, the math is, the math's not there. No matter if he flips Georgia, the math, if, you know, whatever flips maybe let's just say Arizona, if that, if that's really not hundred percent out there yet, mm-hmm. he's the math still isn't there. So you, there probably are people in the party and in the con, you know, in the, in the Senate and house that are sort of like, what's the harm in letting him, let him do this. Um, he already, he's already, you know, fucked up every normal thing about politics over the last four years. What's one more thing out the door <laughs> going to really do. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that, we'll see. Yeah. I, I think, um, it's not surprising that he, I mean, he, he telegraphed, he wasn't going to concede. He would, he'll never admit yeah. that he lost. Right. It's, you know, like I said, I think, I think you're right. I think he, he wants that. He wants to be able to say, I didn't really, I didn't lose the race. Yeah. Like they, I, I, they stole it from me or whatever. But, you know, I think, um, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of smart people refute this on the, in the party, Eric Erickson. I don't know if anybody follows him on Twitter. Uh, he's the founder of Red State, um, that conservative blog. Um, I'm not sure he's still he's still affiliated with them, but he was one of, he was the founder of Red State, and he's a Georgia political operative, and he's been out there really talking sense to people um, in the party and you know conservatives in general about voter fraud and what actually constitutes voter fraud. Um, you know, it's you know I, I definitely if if any of our listeners are on Twitter, follow Eric Erickson and, and just check out some of the threads that he's been putting out there. And one of the big ones, one of the big conspiracies was, you know, uh, I think it was like 50 or 60,000 people in Georgia voted for Biden, but nobody else down ticket. And only 850 people did the same for Trump. They only voted for Trump and nobody down ticket. 
and Eric was like, yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. pe- a lot of people just go vote for president and that's it. And then they walk out of the booth. Yeah. Um, he's like, that's, that's not no, voter fraud. Yeah. No um, information voters just know that the president's up there. Right. Yeah. Right. We and a uh, federal only ballot and you know, mm-hmm. like that's one of the ones you can fill out. It's federal only. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it, and he's doing, he's doing a lot of that. And he's, he's responding back to people who are just, just talking utter nonsense. Now he's one of those guys who will say the president is certainly well within his rights to mm-hmm. exhaust any legal avenue. He will say that. And he'll even say the president should do that if that's what he wants to do. Um, but to call, call this whole thing widespread voter fraud without any actual evidence is just, is just stupid. And I, I haven't had a chance to use this retort yet. And I'm sure you've seen it, but you know, it's it's basically like, yeah, it was a widespread, you know, nationwide um, plot to commit voter fraud that cost that you know to win Biden the election, but cost him seats in the House and not retain and not win the Senate as well. Like, why would why would they yeah. go through all this effort, but then also not? you know, gain seats in the house or the Senate. You're like, it just doesn't make sense logically. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I heard I, another I, one that I heard was, you know, the whole thing about, well, he got 10 million more popular votes than last time. And one of the retorts I saw that I thought was really good was that uh, they said, tr- you know, Trump may have gained more yards than last season, but that's not the game. The game is the score and he mm-hmm. lost. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm, unfortunately, I think, you know, they're just like everything else he's said or done. Um, now that it's been said, you know, 30% of America will, will believe that this election was illegitimate. Um, well, I think, but I also kind of feel like the, I don't want the, the Republicans and the GOP to lose, um, to lose some of the positives that came out of the presidential race. Uh, you know, we were talking about this before we got on, you know, Trump got 25, you know, 25% of the votes from people of color went for Trump. Yeah. Let's um, just talk about the surprises from this election. Watch. Yeah. I mean, there. that I think is one yeah. of the biggest surprises. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of excuses being made by liberal pundits about, you know, now, you know, we need to discuss the difference between white Cubans and indigenous Guatemalans and poor, you know, black Puerto Ricans, which I don't know if I, you know, I'll admit, I don't know if I completely understand or follow all that, but um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm getting voters are not, it should not be, no matter what their cultural background, socioeconomic background, they should not be put into these singular, you know, uh, categories. Like black people don't all have to vote one way. They can vote however they want because everybody's got to have their own experience, their own uh, background, their own circumstances, and they're going to vote however benefits them in that moment in time. And that's not always Democrats. That's not always Republicans. And I just feel like, you know, this this ex- trying to make excuses for you know these poor minorities or, or succumbing to white supremacy is another one that I heard over the last week. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they vote. So they voted for Trump. It's so powerful they don't even know. Yeah, white supremacy is so powerful they can't even vote against their oppressors. Right. Like that. Yeah. Right. And it's it just blows my mind. Uh, that yeah, thing. but that's one of the. But that's a big. That's a great thing. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever the reason, I think Democrats should explore legitimately explore the reasons why those people went for Trump and maybe they can win them back in four years, two or four years um, based on whatever elections are coming up. Yeah. And and conversely, Republicans should figure out why 
what messages actually resonate with those people and maybe they can expand that and finally you know start to be the big tent that they you know of that the GOP has always said that they are and want to be um yeah there's opportunity about, here yeah how about black people in black neighborhoods don't like the slogan defund the police any right. more than white white uh, neighborhoods you know right. like they need the police as well and they like law enforcement you know even though um uh, you know, they're of all the systemic problems, they recognize the value and that, that slogan is terrible. I don't know if you followed it, but, um, uh, during the, I think the first caucus with the Democrats after the election, the, um, I think she's now, she just got reelected. It was just, she was a first timer, Ab- Abby Spanberger from Virginia basically took to task the, the, the Democrat messaging and was like, I almost got beat because of the term defund the police. We need to stop. We need to get rid of that. We also need to get rid of the word socialism um, and or we're going to get our asses handed to us in the next election. And um, Pelosi pushed back and said, I disagree. I think we have a mandate, which is terrible to hear. Right. Um, but you know, I think there is a small sliver of rec- recognition within the Democratic Party that, um, you know, that this there's a reason that they didn't, you know, win that minority um, share like they thought they would and that they needed to do some uh, messaging around that to, 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 to perform better in the future. Well, in a, in a newsflash to Nancy Pelosi, she, she does not have a mandate. She, she lost seats. We have 13 new Republican women coming to the Congress, many of which flipped seats. Um, you know, she doesn't have a mandate. Her her majority didn't grow. It got smaller. Uh, does Joe think, Biden have a mandate? I think there's an argument to be made that Joe Biden has a mandate. I mean, when I you, think he doesn't. I think he will act like he doesn't. I mean, maybe. Yes, a, but that's that's Joe Biden. And right. that's why, you know, he's great for this. Yeah. For this moment. Um, he will. He, you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think he will behave as if he doesn't. But he deep down, he knows that he does mm-hmm. and can probably push the envelope a little bit more than he otherwise would have. But for Nancy Pelosi to sit there and say that they have a mandate in the Congress, she's she's deluded. And I think her time as speaker is way gone and new leadership is desperately needed um, for the Democrats if they want to if they want to actually win seats. Um, You know, I think famously there's been a lot of polling in the past about in 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 lower income African-American neighborhoods that the you know, that those folks have never asked for handouts. They've always asked for you know, opportunity, opportunity mm-hmm. a leg up in terms of people not, you know, no barriers to success, whether it be through equal, uh, equal um, opportunity for home loans, business loans, all that, you know, it's, they've never, you know, socialism doesn't really resonate that well with, with, I think those communities and that's been pulled for years. Mm-hmm. So I think it's absolutely right that the, that the squad AOC Rashida Tlaib, I think they, I think they overplayed their hand. I think they will continue to overplay their hand. Um, and it's not going to serve the Democratic caucus very well. Um, at least at this point, it won't. Yeah, I think, you know, talking about surprises, um, we talk about, you talked about they lost, the the Democrats lost seats in the House. Um, at best, uh, even if they win both seats in Georgia, which they probably will not, um, but at best they, they could, you know, have a split Senate, which they would then control because Harris would be the, Right. Um, deciding vote. But I think, uh, as you say, like one of that to me, I mean, polling indicated before that um, 
you know, people were saying that the Democrats could pick up seven seats in the House yeah. or win seven seats in the House, obviously still losing Doug Jones, but so maybe like a net six. Um, and then and, I'm sorry, the Senate, excuse the Senate, me. Yeah, yeah. And, and then in the House, you know, expand their, their already majority. Well, neither of those happen. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it does serve as uh, somewhat of a repudiation of, you know, the woke, really progressive left agenda. Yep. Um, Fighting cancel culture and all that. You know, I, I, everyone wants to see uh, sort of the way things are setting up as, as indication of uh, gridlock is going to be, you know, it's McConnell's just ready to just sit there and grind this thing to a halt and do nothing for two years. Um, But, you know, the, the optimist in me says, well, we have, we have a institutionalist as president from the Senate who, who is friends with McConnell? They're they're, they're McConnell friends. Has the relationships. Yeah. Recognizes what the people are trying to say is that, um, you know, we we don't need to be pulled either. That pendulum we always talk about. You know, let's try to like slow it down in the middle and see if we yeah. can do some things incrementally and yeah. just get this thing back on track. You know, the optimist in me says maybe that can happen. I don't know if it will happen, um, but you know, maybe we can turn that surprise into something good. Uh, and, and, and get some, obviously there's going to be focus on coronavirus aid. Uh, but you know, anything like any of those big sweeping progressive hopes and dreams are out the window and, you know, maybe we can do some of the smaller stuff that, that could be uh, accomplished with genuine compromise. Well, and, and Pelosi needs to find some humility quick because history is working against her with the midterms in two years Mm -hmm. because every, you know, every sitting president, it's the other party that gains seats. Right. So she could find herself in, in the minority in 2022 uh, or in 2023, actually. Um, so she needs to be careful. Um, and I've heard a lot of talk about Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, who's in the leadership now. He's uh, from New York, young African-American. Awesome. I've actually uh, met with him and his staff a few times when I was working in DC and he's very, very good, very smart. Um, He's got the TV, you know, uh, you know everything you'd want. So good on TV, um, able to rally people. He's got a good message. Um, I think that you know the rumors about that would be great. I know he's not going to challenge her because he's currently in Democratic leadership, and mm-hmm. he's he's. I don't know if he's really a rock the boat kind of guy. I think if people voted for him, he would accept it. But I'm not. I don't think he's going to actively campaign for it. I think he'd be free to do that. But um, yeah, you know, and then you know with the Senate. Going to with these two runoffs, both David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler. Well, actually, Kelly Loeffler didn't because it was it was a it was a jungle primary, but or a jungle general election. But Perdue outperformed Trump, and you know, as of right now, let's pull it up real quick while I'm sitting here thinking about it. Forty nine point seven percent. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's right now the race is Perdue's up by seventy five thousand and change. You know, almost eighty thousand votes. Um. So it's it's a long shot for for John Ossoff to win that mm-hmm. race, um, and Republicans do very well in runoffs in Georgia. Um, and then with Loeffler, you know, taking her votes plus Doug Collins's votes, I think that actually puts her over the top. Um, you know, there were I think eight Republicans and nine Democrats and some random independents that were in that race. Um, but I think I I think we will have two Republicans representing yeah. Georgia come January fourth. I concur. Let's so, talk about Georgia. Yeah. Um, that was the last surprise we wanted to talk about. You mm-hmm. know? Um, you're from Georgia. I am. Uh, it, it hasn't gone for a Democrat since Clinton. 
Um, right. In 92, 92, it didn't go for him in 96. Right. Um, you know, we know a lot of people in Georgia, uh, my mother, your mother, um, (laughs) my brother and sister, (laughs) Cliggity Kelsch. Um, uh, that's his real name people. Uh, (laughs) and you know, it appears to have flipped blue this election. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, and then also, you know, why you're talking about that, um, and, and talking about the runoff in the Senate, uh, or excuse me, yeah, they're, they're all kind of tied together because yeah. um, they're doing the hand recount, and Loeffler and Purdue have asked for the uh, Secretary of State to resign um, as well yeah. during the recount. Like, what do you make of all the Georgia happenings? Well, I think I think for that, I think that's politics, and sure. that's to fire up the base to make sure they get everybody out to vote in in January. I don't think they. I don't think Loeffler and Purdue really expect the secretary of state to resign because um, he's done nothing wrong. Still, and it's not a good, it's hurtful. It, it is hurtful, but I mean, it's kind of when you're fighting for your political life, that this, this is the crazy things that happen. I like to think um, these things come around, but anyway. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, Georgia is still a Republican plus, you know, four, five, six, maybe on the high end uh, state. And there was a lot of, uh, voting Republicans who voted for Biden and then voted Republican down ticket because mm-hmm. you see Purdue outperformed Trump um, is is some of that evidence. Um, it doesn't explain everything, but it it is part of it. Um, also, you know, Atlanta has gotten more blue. I mean, a lot of people have moved to Atlanta from the north from the Northeast. Um, you know, I've got family from New York who moved to Atlanta years ago, and they've you know more people have come in and it you know it's a big city it's a metropolis a lot of business there a lot of companies are based there you know they bring they attract new we attract new populations all the time the city of atlanta is five and is five hundred thousand people metro atlanta is six million people um so it's it stands to reason that the major counties cobb county fulton county gwinnett county um and decab are going to be start going a little bit more towards the center left than the center right um, but that being said, I think it's still a moderate overall electorate in Georgia um, who believe in, you know, I, I still I, I still claim Georgia is my home state. I think people from Georgia and the South in general want um, their leaders to have those Southern qualities decent. of being decent, you know, little maybe a little genteel, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it doesn't explain character everything. Matters. Character matters. And I think... Um, you know, I, I'm just not ready to say that it's a, it's a blue state or a purple state yet. Um, yeah. I was going to say, is this, is this unique to sort of Trump being on the ticket or do you think it is actually should be considered a swing state moving forward? I think it's unique to Trump being on the ticket. Um, I do. And, but here's the thing. I don't know in two years if, if the governor Brian Kemp gets reelected mm-hmm. and I don't think that's because he's, he's a Republican. I think it's because he's Brian Kemp and he's just not been a very good governor um, by all accounts, his handling of COVID um, his, his attachment to Trump. So I don't know if 22, 2022 is going to be any different for the state. I think it's going to be close again. The real test is going to be in the next presidential election in 2024. Um, if there's actually Donald good, Trump runs again, <laughs> if there's actually a good candidate for the Republicans that runs, that can actually be worthy, a worthy opponent to, 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 to Joe Biden or, Kamala Harris, actually, I don't know if he's still planning on only doing one term, if that was a mm-hmm. real thing or not. But, um, 
you know, I think honestly, I think it's there's a lot of things that need to happen to prove that it's it's a purple and or bluish state at this point. Right now, I'm not ready to say that. I think if Elizabeth Warren had been at the top of the ticket or Bernie Sanders, they would have gone ten points for Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, George would have gone ten points for Trump. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, but I, um, I think you're right about the the Senate seats too. I think Purdue and Loeffler both win. Um, because as you say, like it's, it, I, I still think it is, it is pretty, pretty red. And like you said, that when the base is driven out for this, because this is, this is going to be, a, there's gonna be a lot of attention on Georgia the next six yeah. eight weeks. And you're going to see um, anywhere between a quarter of a billion to half a billion dollars being poured into that state in the next two months, just on political yeah, advertising so and all that. The, my my point is just that like I don't think that's necessarily going to be sort of indicative of where um, yeah. Georgia is either. It's probably somewhere in between. Um, mm-hmm. But you're the expert for Georgia. I mean, I'm not even sure. I mean, I, I would probably say Virginia is now certainly a purple state. I don't know if it's a full on blue state. You have two senators who are popular governors. One of which was up for re-election, Mark Warner. He was a very popular governor, um, and I think. Honestly, it's the candidates that you put up. When you put up shit candidates, you're not going to win races. And honestly, Virginia hasn't had a great candidate since, um, since Ed Gillespie. Um, you know, barely lost to, to Tim Kaine in the Senate. Um, you know, he barely lost his run for governor um, against Terry McAuliffe. You know, that was a good candidate, and those were good races. Um, but when you put up bad candidates, you're going to lose in, in some of these states. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Trump is a bad candidate. I think he he's a bad politician. Um, he's not I, a politician. <laughs> I well, I just don't understand the people. You know, I see all these folks, especially the, the people I'm so close with in Georgia, putting up these things up on Facebook. But he, but he's a fighter. I'm like, what does that mean? He's a fighter. That doesn't mean anything. So it's he t- he's teaching the GOP how to fight. Fight for what? Like nobody can explain that to me. No. And it's because it's just a it's sloganeering. It's it is it absolutely is it's and, justification. It's sloganeering. Uh, and the thing, the, at the end of the day, I've had people text me um, over the last week and a half and, you know, it, Republicans who will say, I'm just glad, it, it was, despite everything that's happening, even though they're not happy about a Democratic president, it's nice to hear a message of optimism and hope again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not exclusive to Democrats. We've had plenty of Republicans who have who convey that message. You know, President Bush did. Yeah. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan did, um, it's morning in America, my you know, everybody, you know, every, regardless of party, your message needs to be of hope and optimism. And we haven't had that for no. four years. And um, and that's what wins elections. You got to give people hope. Yeah. That's what wins elections. Yeah. Well, we were going to talk about what a Biden presidency looks like, but you know, why don't we make sure that actually we get to a Biden presidency before we talk about <laughs> Why don't we let Trump concede and we'll talk about it in a future episode? I, I do like that he picked Ron Klain as chief of staff, though. Um, that's really the only big thing he's done. I mean, I think I think the transition teams are those aren't those aren't cabinet people. Those are just right, you know, everyday volunteer citizens who are going to uh, granted from from all walks of life, including corporate America law firms and you know uh, nonprofits and all that. Yeah, that there's going to advise, but it's going to be a lot of recycling of Obama. Uh, yeah, people as well, and then yeah. also I think you know I think I think he'll probably try to reach across the aisle in a couple places and and put um, you know moderate Republicans in some spots uh, where he can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's address that as we get closer to it. 
um, and we have more time to talk about it. So, but yeah, I think we, you know, we, we talked a lot about the, the election and I don't think we're, we're done talking about it, unfortunately. Nope. You know, so, uh, hang on with us as we go through this folks. Um, so should we talk about what we're into? Yeah. Um, you into anything? I'm still into Yellowstone. <laughs> I, 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 I really am like nothing's really changed since, uh, okay. since our last episode with Jen. Um, we're, we're almost done with season two. Season three starts streaming at the end of November. So I'll get a little break and maybe I can get into something different, um, between then and, uh, and the end of November or, but uh, we've got one more episode of season two left. It's such a good show. All right. Well, um, you're, you're the, selling me on it. It's this the there are there are moments where you kind of feel like it's a, it's a little too intense with the storyline, but it still fits. It doesn't. It's not like it's you don't have that oh come on moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it really it still keeps everything uh, pretty um, uh, within the storyline. Believable. It it's believable. That's good. Um, so Yellowstone. It. Watch it on Peacock. I'll streaming on Peacock. The- I feel like it's on some cable channel though too. It's on Paramount. Okay. But if you want to stream the, the if you want to stream the back episodes, it's right. you go to Peacock, which if you are a Comcast com- uh, customer, it is free. Peacock is free. Um how about you man? Well, I am into it's not necessarily a new book. I think it's about 4 years old now. Mm-hmm. I'm reading Hillbilly Elegy by Jane. Oh, nice. Have you read that? I started to read it about two years ago and then mm-hmm. I put it down and, and it's not because I didn't like it. I did like it, but just like circumstances got in the way. So I need to go back and read it again. Well, actually I, I didn't do this uh, intentionally, but I did just read today or yesterday that uh, there's actually a movie coming out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. By Ron Howard, um, he made it into a movie. It got terrible. It's getting terrible reviews. So I don't even <laughs> I'll watch it, um, but I I'm pretty early on in the book, but uh, you know, I think, I think, as someone from Tennessee, uh, not that I grew up in a similar circumstance as JD Vance. Uh, my parents were very much middle to middle upper class. So mm-hmm. he was very poor growing up. Um, but seeing, knowing people like that, um, it, it kind of hits close to home and it is interesting to hear him talk about, you know, he kind of castigates some of the, the hillbillies from the holler, um, and says, you know, they weren't interested in working. They were, they were interested in, in getting drunk and, um, yeah. collecting their unemployment check and, and, you know, it's kind of the, kind of the things, the, the pejoratives that are cast towards some minor, minorities. Sure. Um, he applies to, uh, the people in rural Kentucky and, and sort of, um, middle, middle Ohio when he was growing up in, in the eighties. Um, so, you know, I, I, obviously he goes on to be quite successful himself, so I haven't gotten to that point, but, um, it is just kind of a, a interesting look at, um, you know, Southern middle America and what it takes to get out of that and how hard it is to get out of that and be successful. Um, so I don't know that it'll necessarily be uplifting. Maybe it will be. Um, but it's certainly interesting. And, um, uh, and if you can't read the book, watch the movie on Netflix at the end of this month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I put it down because I, you know, I downloaded it on my iPad and Mm -hmm. it's easier to forget about books. I've noticed when, when you do it on your iPad, instead of having mm-hmm. the physical copy of, of the book, the paperback. Yeah. Um, so I was, I just downloaded a book the other day, um, which I probably won't end up reading that cause I'll forget that it's on my iPad, but I saw that Hillbilly LG was on my iPad and I was like, Oh God, I need to go back. And it said only like 
15 or 20 percent finished i've only read 15 or 20 percent of the book yeah um so i need to, i'm gonna have to go back and restart the whole thing because i don't think i'd be able to re- remember yeah. anything but well that's, I, that's I, awesome I that you're reading it i checked it out from the library I'm, I'm trying to get into going to the library to get books and oh, nice. um and just be more involved there so yeah yeah take the kids and check they check out a book and i check out a book it's a good good sort of practice to get into so yep um, we were good with that with our kids, but making myself feel better and yeah. talking about how good I am on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Yeah. So anyway, fun talking to you as always. Yeah, brother. Well, uh, for our listeners, uh, follow us on Twitter at Bros Politics. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google, Amazon, right? Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Uh, and uh, we will see you all. Or we'll, uh, you'll hear from us the next time when we talk more about this election. Yep. Uh, thanks, man. Ow! All right. Later. All right, man.